Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, I will speak with Brianne Curtis, Grain Farmers of Ontario Communication Coordinator, about the success of the 2021 March Classic. And I will have a conversation with our CEO, Crosby Devitt. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario is asking its farmer members to take action to help ensure the future of grain farming in Ontario. We are working with other commodity organizations to improve the business risk management programming available to address the losses that occurred last year as well as ensuring that there is the money allocated to improve BRM programs in the years to come. The provincial and federal governments are currently negotiating improvements to agri-stability. The Ontario government has already set aside increased funding in anticipation of these changes. We have called on the provincial government to put the money they've already set aside for agri-stability into the risk management program, self-directed risk management program for the 2020 program year. Redirecting funds to this program would ensure farmers that need it receive timely support, while giving the province time to continue to negotiate a national agri-stability deal for 2021 onward. We need to show solidarity and support to have these funds redirected. You can automatically send a letter to your local MPP and Minister Hardiman to let them know why this would be of enormous help to you by simply entering your postal code at this website, www farmersneedsupport.ca. If all of our farmer members from across the province send a letter, we can put a lot of pressure on this government to make this simple but impactful change. Canada's agriculture ministers have agreed to remove the reference margin limit for agri-stability, one of the business risk management programs under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership. The decision was made during a recent virtual meeting of Canada's federal, provincial, and territorial ministers of agriculture. The removal of the reference margin limit will be made retroactive to the 2020 program year. In addition, the deadline for farmers to enroll in the 2021 program year will be extended to June 30th, 2021. This deal falls short of the Grain Farmers of Ontario ask for the trigger for agri-stability to be reinstated to 85%, as well as the removal of the reference margin limit. In light of this, we are working alongside other Ontario commodity organizations to ask the Ontario Minister of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs to redirect the money the province set aside for improvements to agri-stability into the RMP. Good in Every Grain, the public-facing educational brand from Grain Farmers of Ontario and the Canada Agriculture and Food Museum are partnering to deliver new free education resources in English and French for elementary students. The program uses art to highlight the important role agriculture plays in Ontario. It features author and illustrator Rob Bidolf, known for his video series, Draw with Rob. Videos will feature plant growth, soil health, and technology. The first video, Draw with Rob, Magic Beans, is available now. Other videos will be released in the coming weeks. If you know a grade one to four teacher, encourage them to go to goodnevergrain.ca for more information and to access the videos and curriculum resources. And now, here's my conversation with Brianne Curtis. Joining me today on the Grain Talk podcast, I have Brianne Curtis, the Communications Coordinator with a Public Outreach Focus. Hi, Brianne. Welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Paige. Thanks for inviting me. 
So you are the like lead person for the March Classic. So what does that kind of job entail? Well, um, in person, I'm the one running around with a clipboard in London at the convention center. <laughs> um, but all joking aside, so um, my job for leading up the March Classic Project and making sure that conference basically goes is I make sure that we're delivering on the promises that we've given to the sponsors. We're making sure exhibitors have what they need for their booths, both virtual or in person, and then helping to coordinate um, with the rest of the team over here to make sure the speakers are where they're supposed to be. They're arriving on time. They're they're getting their tech uh, rehearsal done at the right time. So I like to just call myself the person that makes things happen. And I think that's the best way to describe it, that, you know, if we need something done on site, I'm the one that either coordinates with the team to make it happen or, or coordinates um, with sponsors, exhibitors, speakers, whomever. So yeah, the the girl with the clipboard basically is a good a good way to describe the job. I like that. I think the girl with the clipboard is a great way to be recognized. And that way, if people are looking for you, they can be like, ah, she's in charge. She's who I need right now. Exactly. Exactly. Roughly, how long have you been planning and, and executing the March Classic? So I've been with Grain Farmers for about five years now, and um, I always get kind of mixed up of how many March Classics that um, I've, I've basically planned because of the, the really fun time in 2020 where we planned a show that didn't actually happen. But I believe um, this past year, the 2020 show was my fourth show that I've planned, um, which is crazy to think that, that there's four March Classics that um, have been planned. Only three have actually happened because of 2020, but it's crazy to think that um, there's been four that's been planned that I, I've been lucky to been a part of. And I bet every March Classic has its difficulties and challenges and, and is always something new coming up. Of course. Yeah, every year we always try and do something different, do something a little new, make the March Classic still a fresh conference for, atten- or for attendees to go to. Um, so whether that's looking at different speakers that are a little outside of the box or, you know, planning a virtual show for the first time, every year is a little bit different with its own unique set of challenges and highlights. So, um, yes, I think this year specifically planning a virtual show was a, was a unique set of challenges we had to overcome, which was uh, super fun to take on um, with the team here. So speaking of this year's March Classic for 2021, why don't we talk about that a little bit, how it went, what your thoughts were, what was a highlight for you, I guess? Yeah, so um, leading up into this show, obviously, um, we realized that we couldn't do an in-person show in London, which um, was incredibly unfortunate. I think I think there was a lot of us that were pretty disappointed um, that we couldn't get together in person. But of course, we, like I said, we were able to swerve and, and create a virtual show that, you know, sitting sitting here a couple days later, I'm pretty happy with the way thing, things turned out. We've heard some pretty good feedback from both farmer members that attended the show, um, exhibitors and sponsors that were part of the show. We've heard nothing but really great feedback. And I think the decision that we made um, pretty like midway through planning um, was to actually um, hire like a like a, a tech crew and a camera crew to have um, on site in one location um, when it became safe to do so. I think that was a great decision because it just 
allowed us to um, boost our quality that we normally see in person in London. We were able to get to that caliper of quality once again um, by by working together with uh, Daryl and, and the team um, with all the cameras and, and everything like that. And so that was actually probably the highlight of the show for me. Um, outside of the speakers, I really enjoyed um, the U.S. Farm Reports panel and then also listening to Jim and Joanne and Althea. I think those presentations were were wonderful and really on par this year, but I think for a highlight, it was just incredible to see how we were able to create a virtual show that still felt on the day of a little bit of a real in-person show um, because we had Daryl on site with the camera systems and set up and, and coordinating all that was just a new challenge that I'd never really done before. And it was really exciting um, to do that and to, for the most part, outside of a couple um, technology glitches, we were able to roll through that pretty good. I think with any sort of virtual anything, you're going to run into some sort of tech issues. So I think the issues that did arise were very small compared to what we likely thought that they were. Yeah. You know, behind the scenes versus, you know, watching the show from the shop or the the barn or, or even at home in the comfort of your own home. Yeah, definitely. I think um, even just like speaking on that one, I know uh, like when when you're when you're planning it and kind of running behind the scenes, those things are are pretty panic moments. But I I know hearing from the farmer members that attended and either called in with their phones or or were able to view it um, on their screens that they didn't really notice too much of a glitch. So that's that's one thing that's always good to be reminded that even though you know, on the behind the scenes, it's it's a little worrisome of like, oh, no, we just lost internet connection and we've lost our speaker. It really didn't didn't seem that big of a deal to the attendees, which is wonderful that our attendees are are pretty forgiving on things like that. Let's look ahead to 2022. What are your thoughts for next year's? Have you started planning that one already? Do you have some ideas on themes? Yeah, we haven't um, totally dived into 2022 yet. I think we're still digesting um, how things went with this year. And we still have some uh, contesting draws that we have to do in the next week or so. So we're still digesting things a little bit. But I think looking forward to 2022, um, pretty hopeful that we can get together in person again. I think um, hopefully by that point, it'll be safe enough for everyone to get together. And it would just be incredibly nice to... You know, a lot of the exhibitors or sponsors that um, were either new this year or had new team members, it'd be nice to meet them in person and to, you know, thank them in person for joining us and for putting their hard work in. And I think also um, being able to join in with our farmer members uh, in person in one room and and see the um, networking and the, the laughs and the jokes that always happen. I think those things are going to be really missed if we're not able to do another in-person show, but it's, it's so hard to tell at this point of what we can actually do um, for next year. But I mean, we did showcase that we can do a virtual show um, pretty good, except for a few technology issues. So that's something to look into uh, for next year when we get started planning is like how, you know, how can we, we do a virtual show next year if we need to, can we do a hybrid show? Do we do an in-person show with streaming the speakers out for those who don't want to travel to London? Like, I think there's a lot of questions um and opportunities now that we did showcase that we can do a virtual show pretty pretty good and how can we take that and blend it into an in-person show if we need to next year so yeah I feel like right now it's just a lot of pondering and thinking through how the show went this year and then also remembering um all the benefits we have of being together in person so uh no hard planning has started yet but definitely definitely some thoughts going around of what we can do next year 
for sure for sure so in terms of planning you get to work fairly closely with the board committee uh the march classic committee actually so how does that work so the board committee um helps us make the decisions for the march classic the big major decisions so they have pretty good insight um and in discussions and brainstorms around the theme and what we're going to go with for the year what speakers we want um collaboratively as a team uh what speakers we're looking to you know we're always getting lots of suggestions from the committee of you know why don't we try this or or what about this idea or what about this speaker i saw so and so at you know this conference a couple years ago and it was great can we see about how we could bring them into our conference um so it's really collaborative with the the committee um to make all those decisions and i think it's always really beneficial because we're getting um more of like a farmer input into the conference and this conference is for our farmer members to attend so it's always great that we can get their input on that side of things of you know here's some hot button issues that we should definitely focus on so what speakers can we get that are going to talk about that one like for this year we got Althea in to talk about the election year that's coming up in a few years which I think was a really great insight into both our current government and the up-and-coming leaders for the other parties as well so I I think working with the board we can get a really great collaboration and brainstorm going of to make the best conference um, that we can. So you mentioned your speakers this year. So is it the board committee that kind of comes to you with speakers or is that something that you kind of come up with ideas and then take to the board? So I think a little bit of both, to be honest with you. Um, so we definitely get um, like ideas of like, hey, it'd be great if we can get a speaker that can talk about markets and market analysis and we're and then we go back as a team being like okay what speakers are out there that can speak on this um and that kind of led down the pathway to get the u.s farm report this year um whereas other years we've had uh, board committee members be like hey i saw so and so i think they'd be a great fit can we look and see if they're available and and all those details and then we run with that idea as well so again it is super collaborative with the board um either uh you know saying here's the direction we should go in this year what speakers would work for this topic or work for this theme or it's um i saw so and so why don't we see if we can get them you know what what do they chat about i know in 2019 now when we got rick mercer in um that was definitely a name that was thrown out there for our for that show it was like hey rick mercer like can we get a rick mercer and not only did we get a Rick Mercer, we managed to get the Rick Mercer, which was pretty exciting. Um, so things like that, it's it's definitely collaborative and, and ideas are always being tossed around, whether it's a topic or a theme or a specific speaker. And yeah, we just kind of run with it. And it always seemed to get a pretty, pretty good um, lineup of speakers. So you just mentioned theme. So I just want to quickly touch on that. Is the... Um... Is the goal to always use the word March in the March classic theme, or does that just happen coincidentally? <laughs> so that just happened coincidentally. Um, so in 2020, when we were planning the March classic, it was going to be our 10 year anniversary um, of Grain Farmers of Ontario. So it had been 10 years since the, the organization formed. And so we definitely wanted that year specifically, our theme was a huge conversation because we wanted something that was going to reflect onto the 10 year celebration while also kind of standing alone. Um, and so marching ahead came together. It's like, okay, you know, we've done 10 years, we've done all this work. Let's look to the forward and march ahead of what we can do in the future. So the month March didn't always tie into that one. Um, and then for 2021 planning, you know, looking back on all the planning we had done for 2020 with the theme and the speaker lineup, it just 
really flowed to continue that on for this year, you know, marching ahead together, um, working as a team, coming together, um, being more collaborative, and then also coming together after COVID of, you know, how can we all work together to, again, look ahead to the issues that are going to be coming up in the next 10 years of a grain industry. So um, that's in a nutshell how the past two years themes have worked out, which coincidentally did end up having March in the theme, which <laughs> to be honest with you, until you said that right now, Paige, I never really I never tied into that. I never clued into that. <laughs> our March classic had March as a theme. Um, yeah, but I think going forward for picking a theme, it's always, you know, what's happening in the industry? What are farmers talking about? What is, you know, on the horizon for the industry? Um, like high level impacts. Uh, for example, I, re I referenced it before, but the, the election coming up in a few years, we all know that's going to be a really hot button topic, especially with um, grain farmers of Ontario and the farmer members. So, you know, looking forward, how can we use something like that that's on the horizon? It's going to be big for us. How can we use that and create a theme that's going to, you know, encompass that and work towards that? So it's, it's definitely a longer process than, um, than I think most realize coming up with the theme. And I actually was looking back on this year and was so um, happy that our theme this year seemed to encompass so many different aspects. I know um, Brendan and Crosby, when they were giving their open remarks about collaboration and working together, that fit in perfectly to, for the theme. And that wasn't, you know, a totally made decision. It just, the way the messaging went, it, it tied in really well. And then all of our speakers it just seemed like everything fit the theme super well this year. And, you know, I, I wish we could say we totally planned that, but I think it was just coincident that the way our society is right now, the theme fit perfectly this year. So hopefully we can recreate that in future years that whatever theme for a future conference we go with um, will be so uh, on par with exactly what's going on to, to make it really flow and, and have a nice conference to it. I just, you know what, just you saying that right there kind of just made me realize, yeah, marching ahead together as we go through, you know, the past year and, and everything that's happened in the past year, you just got to keep marching forward. Exactly. Exactly. So it works. It works really well. So I think job well done for the theme and, you know, the whole conference as well. Um, so I do have a few more questions and I think these are, are fairly simple to answer, <laughs> I think, personally. Um, what is your favorite part about the March Classic? Oh, oh, okay. So I feel like I really enjoy going to the London Convention Center um, when we are able to be in person in, in past years. I The team down at the Convention Center is just so wonderful to work with that it's, you know, even at times when literally you're the woman with the clipboard running around a little bit, you just, you feel like it's such a positive energy between the staff that work there, the GFO team, the board members, the delegates, and then the other farmer members that attend as well. It just, it's such a positive atmosphere. And I think that's really great to, to be working in that environment. Um, so that's always definitely a highlight for me is actually getting together with everyone in person and, and seeing the, the positive energy that comes out of the show. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've never attended an in-person and this year was my first March classic because we had to cancel last year's. But still, I think even just where we were and the, the energy of the team we had behind the scenes, I think definitely made it a great and successful show. Yeah, definitely. And I think even just because we weren't able to be in person, I think there was still a lot of that positivity 
um, vibes, if you will, that were floating through. I know the networking lounge was um, a really happening place and there was lots of conversations going on. And then we heard good things about the booth chats um, for exhibitors as well. So I think even though we couldn't have that like face-to-face good time feels that we normally have in person, we still managed to, to have some of that with virtual. So hopefully Paige in the future, you can join everyone um, in London and, and get that feel um, in person because it's it's a good time. It's a good day. It sounds like a good day. And you know what? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. One day I'll get there. One day. <laughs> so let's talk about the 10 year anniversary celebrations. We didn't get to celebrate that last year. No. Was there anything that, you know, we kind of did this year that kind of pulled that through to the 2021? Yeah. So we, we were really planning a wonderful reception at the March Classic to celebrate our 10 year um, and to celebrate um, Barry since our, our previous CEOs leaving. So it was, it was really disappointing to not only have the 2020 show, but also to not be able to celebrate such a milestone in the organization. So I was pretty happy that this year, our 10 year anniversary video um, that we were able to showcase that and basically premiere, premiere it live at this year's reception. Um, that video, I was really fortunate enough to take, um, the bulk of the lead on planning that one and actually going down and doing the interviews, um, with the gentlemen that were, were in the video. So I was really happy that we were actually finally able to showcase that one and being like, Hey, 10 years, you know, we can still celebrate it like on our 11 year anniversary that it still worked out. Um, so I was really happy that we were able to showcase that. And then I think just looking ahead, you know, if we are able to be in person, what can we do that still gives recognition to the milestones that Grain Farmers of Ontario has done? What, what can we do there that still um, has that celebratory feel that we missed in 2020? So again, going back to the planning for next year, I think that's one thing that I'm definitely going to keep in mind is how can we, you know, take that opportunity to actually do the milestone uh, celebrations that we missed um, both in 2020 and then this year because we couldn't be in person. So yeah, I was happy that we were able to play the video um, and then make that live. And I know a lot of people really enjoyed watching it. I saw a tweet online. Um, I believe it was Julie Ma, one of our farmers um, in Southwestern Ontario. She shared a tweet of her and her son, I believe, were watching the video and watching the legacy of the organization and things. And that was just really awesome to see that. Um, and so hopefully we can recreate that kind of feeling somehow in person in 2020, 2022. Um, so that way we can still have some sort of celebration because 10 years is a big milestone. And I, I believe it deserves to be recognized um, more so than what we've done so far. I completely agree. 10 years is a big deal, especially for a commodity organization. And that video, I must say, was really well done. And um, I think from what I saw in the comments and the, and the tweets, people were really happy with that video and very impressed with it. So job well done. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was a beautiful video. And I, I want to extend a shout out to all um, of the, the farmers that we highlighted in that video. Um, I know it was, was a lot of work leading up to it. And then the video didn't air until a year later. Um, but yeah, it, it was a wonderful video that came together really good. And I'm glad we were able to, to show it this year. So being a virtual show this year, um, a lot of hurdles were kind of thrown at you guys using a virtual platform. Were you still able to have the same kind of engagement and, and get the same sort of people back as sponsors and exhibitors and, and those still kind of being very interested in participating? 
I think so. Yeah, we um, we had a new team member join the team last spring, uh, Joanne Tichborn. And so she is our advertising rep for both the magazine and then also for sponsorships and exhibitors, exhibitor booths um, at the March Classic. So she definitely, again, like what you said, Paige, has never been to the March Classic before and then had to work away <laughs> on selling these spaces and, and um, trying to build those partnerships back with our sponsors and exhibitors. So um, I would say, you know, virtual shows um, can be really difficult, but we were really fortunate that we had a well-rounded group of sponsors and exhibitors that were able to join us. And I just want to give a huge shout out to our exhibitors that I know how hard you all work to put together a professional collection of booths in our exhibit halls. It looked wonderful. And I know there was um, lots of options presented for, for attendees to look through, whether it was videos or brochures that were shared and things like that. Um, and then also uh, our exhibitors being on live chats to be on hand to speak one-on-one -on -one with the, the the attendees that were at the show. So, um, yeah, I just, I really am, I think we can all say we appreciate the support from our sponsors and exhibitors that joined us this year. Um, a show like this, whether in person or virtual, it 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 can't be done without um, exhibitors and sponsors that contribute. So looking back now, I think, um, it was just super awesome that so many people were willing to, to join another virtual show and, and give it another shot. So, um, just wanted to give a huge shout out to them for, for all the hard work that they put into the show. You know what? They, they did a great job. And in talking with a few exhibitors by chance in the networking lounge, they were fairly impressed with the layout of the show and how the virtualness of it actually kind of helped and made things a little bit easier. But I noticed we had two exhibit halls of, of, sponsors and exhibitors or just I guess exhibitors how many exhibitors did we actually have oh so I believe we had um between the two halls uh if we do not include the two great farmers of Ontario booths that were in there I believe we had uh, 28 exhibitors between the two halls for a virtual show um so I may have to double check that number to make sure it's accurate but we had <laughs> around 28 um which is again super awesome because original planning we we thought we'd only have one exhibit hall and then we realized there was so much interest um and exhibitors wanting to be involved that we we had to open it up and make two exhibit halls which was kind of awesome that um it exceeded our planning expectations pretty early on so we had to do another site build to, to build that out so yeah yeah a good group of people that joined us in the exhibit hall that's for sure i guess it kind of just goes to show like how well intertwined and how willing to help out the industry is to others and, and be there to kind of touch, get that extra touch point with, you know, potential customers and, and kind of get there, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I've heard this from exhibitor, exhibitors before always that the March Classic attendees and our farmer members are, are pretty engaging people. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say if that's just an in-person thing or a virtual thing where we've yet to see um, the results of that one. But I think, overall our farmer members are pretty good at recognizing the support and then also being like hey I want to know what's up and coming for seed varieties I should go talk to that booth over there so that's pretty awesome that um in a virtual platform that we were able to to come together like that and and saw some really engaging and interactive conversations between our attendees and the exhibit booths well on that note Brianne I want to end it here I want to say thank you so much um for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to kind of sit down and have a conversation with me about the March Classic and what goes into the March Classic. So I appreciate it. 
Awesome. Thanks so much, Paige. I'm more than happy to chat about one of my favorite events of the year. We're joined on the Green Talk podcast this week by Crosby Devitt, CEO of Green Farmers of Ontario, to give us an update on what's happening with our organization. Thanks for joining us today, Crosby. Hi, Rachel. It's great to be here. There's a lot been happening over the past couple of weeks. Let's start with the March Classic, our big event that we just had a week ago. Can you let us know how you felt that event went? Yeah, it's been a really busy week, uh, or a couple weeks, really. Um, and the March Classic, has, as we've discussed, it's been our first uh, all-virtual March Classic ever, and uh, went really well. We had uh, several hundred farmers and industry folks uh, join us for uh, a pretty interactive uh, event, which is interesting virtual. It was, we had speakers, but we had a lot of interaction uh, among farmers as well, which was pretty cool to be able to do that in a virtual way. We also had our semi-annual meeting of delegates on the Monday morning ahead of the March Classic. What happened during that meeting? So the semi-annual meeting is our meeting of delegates. So the 150 delegates that are elected by at, at, at our districts in our January meetings uh, gather, and this time, of course, virtual. Um, but we had updates from GFO, so myself and our new chair, Brendan Burney, and our, our vice president, uh, Paul Hookstra, all gave uh, reports back to to the delegates um, and then we also had a guest speaker so we had Mark Brock uh, whose name is very familiar to many involved with Grain Farmers of Ontario but he was talking about his Nuffield Canada Agricultural Scholarship and uh, he just presented his report and uh, had a nice presentation that he presented to farmers on what he found through his travels around the world where he was looking at uh, farmer-to-farmer collaborations um, on everything from equipment to business and how to best work together to kind of achieve scale, uh, but also maintain independence. So very topical uh, subject for these days as, as farmers are, are looking at their next move. And so it was really good, really good to hear from Mark and, and what he learned from farmers around the world. Now, you're also a Nuffield Scholar. Yes, uh, 2012, I, uh, I completed my Nuffield scholarship and uh, was able to travel uh, around the world actually in, in that year. And uh, I actually looked at uh, research partnerships and how farm organizations could uh, take a bigger leadership role. And uh, it's, uh, it's nice to see GFO being able to uh, take some of that and uh, put it into action. Now, anybody who's interested in Nuffield and reading Mark's report, I know it is posted online at nuffield.ca. And my understanding is, is that we're sort of looking at when to restart the program after COVID-19. Have you heard anything from the Nuffield organizers? Yeah, I think they're in process right now. Of course, uh, you know, a major part of that scholarship is travel. So uh, this last year wasn't the best for that. So uh, they did put last year's on hold. Um, but I just recently heard they're, you know, kind of making plans for the next year. So the best way if, if farmers or uh, those involved in Ontario agriculture have an interest, uh, that, that website, nowfield.ca, will have updates. And uh, certainly if they're accepting applications uh, soon, we will, we will share that through as well through GFO because it's, it's an excellent program. And I encourage anyone to uh, take a look at it if you've always wondered about traveling and learning things outside of your uh, your regular day-to-day in agriculture. 
Now, another component of the semi-annual meeting is the resolutions that are brought forward from our delegates from each of the different districts. Can you tell us about um, what happened with the resolutions this year? Yeah, so resolutions are, are a good opportunity for our district committees and farmers in the districts to, you know, bring ideas, bring their feedback directly to the organization and uh you know, those are in the form of resolutions. And so they, they come to the meeting, uh, they're discussed and then voted on by the delegates. And so there were over 20 resolutions discussed and passed this, this year or this meeting. And uh, they will go to the board of directors for consideration. And so they're a good, they're a good way to have a, you know, an indicator of what's on the minds of farmers. Uh, what's, you know, it could be a specific issue or a general issue. Uh, that's then feedback directly to the board and to the organization to uh, consider action on them. So it's it's really good to see that level of, you know, debate, discussion, and number of resolutions coming forward. Can you tell us what some of those general topics were for the resolutions? Sure, there's lots. Uh, you know, I think the resolutions reflect a lot of the the topics we're discussing right now and, and impacts, and that's everything from you know we talk about our uh, business risk management programs and the importance of that. Um, but I think what we're seeing is more interest and concern or looking at the opportunity around carbon and the environment and, uh, you know, our federal government and provincial government's commitments to climate change and how farmers fit into that and, and the, the desire for, for GFO and other farm organizations to be directly involved in, in shaping that. So uh, a lot of discussion around that uh, this round for sure. We always like to get an update on what we've been doing on the government relations front. And there's some big news recently in terms of the federal, provincial, territorial ministers of agriculture agreeing to uh, remove the reference margin limit within agri-stability. But it's not quite everything that we were asking for. Can you give us an update on, on some of that recent news? Certainly. Yeah, it's been a long road uh, with agri-stability as a program to... Uh you know, to really try to make that program effective in, in covering uh, risk for Ontario grain farmers. Just the structure of the program and the level of coverage has been a real challenge. And so um, what we saw this past week was the uh, federal and provincial territorial ag ministers gathered and agreed to remove that reference margin limit um, as one component of the program. And um, unfortunately, it's not enough to to seriously uh, or, or significantly improve the program for Ontario grain farmers, really that to make it more effective, we would need to see the 85% or the trigger moved 85% from the current 70, um, just due to business structures and the way the program works. Um, so, you know, it's a small step in the right direction, um, but where, where, we, where we're going um, with our partners in Ontario, other commodities, um, you know, like beef, pork, uh, sheep, veal, and fruit and vegetable organizations is we've come together and asked the provincial government to say, you know, the money that you've got earmarked for those improvements that aren't going to happen this year, um, move them into the risk management program. It's a, the risk management program is set up, it's operating, it's, it works, um, and it's underfunded. And so, so it's something that we feel the provincial government could do. Um, they're committed to helping farmers. They've stated that um, they were prepared to go to the 85, but they needed the federal uh, agreement as well as the other provinces. And, and that, isn't, that isn't happening. So 
um, we have we've come together and asked for that, um, gotten some support, and we just need to see that happen here in the short term. And our farmer members can help us as well. Absolutely. So there is a there is a website set up where to make it easy for farmer members to tell their uh, provincial politicians that this is a priority and it should happen. And uh, it's a easy thing for a farmer to go in and enter your email address. And there's a you know a template letter that you could customize and send directly to your member of provincial parliament. So we encourage everyone to do that. Um, uh, there was an email out to all members and uh, certainly should be an easy thing to do and uh, make your voice heard. So that, that website is farmersneedsupport.ca. So um, if you can't find your email, uh, you can just go direct there to farmersneedsupport.ca. Now, Crosby, speaking of farming, um, there's been some good weather uh, for the end of March, beginning of April. Um, it's kind of taking a turn this week, it looks like, with some rain and cooler temperatures, but it was looking pretty optimistic there for a while. Yeah, absolutely. We I think we hit a couple record temperatures in the last couple of weeks, and uh, yeah, it's backed off now. But it it's still March and early April, so I guess that's what we can expect. But it does feel like an early spring. I gotta say, just the way uh, you're starting to see things green up, and the winter wheat crop uh, looks to have made it through the winter quite well. Um, looking pretty green in some areas, and there's already actually a little bit of fertilizer on in some some places. The first uh, you know, small application, if farmers can get on the fields early, it's not very often you can do that in March uh, in good weather. And so there's actually been a little bit of field work done as well in uh, preparing, uh, you know, corn fields for, for planting. And um, that's rare to see it uh, dry up and have good conditions like that. So uh, fingers crossed for a nice smooth planting season as we go here. We got a, we had a long road before the the corn and soybean crop is in the ground, uh, but uh, it's nice to see a little window already uh, opening up to get get the bugs worked out of the systems on farm. And of course, our friends up in northern Ontario, I know I've seen on social media some images of snow still on the ground there, so it'll be a little while for them yet. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a big province and a lot of variability uh, for sure. So. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to give us an update on everything that's been going on recently with Green Farmers of Ontario. It was great talking with you today, Crosby. Well, thanks, Rachel. Great speaking with you. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Brianne Curtis and Crosby Devitt. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.